It comes out of the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus, I'll be reading a couple of, from a couple of different places today, from Exodus 13, one verse, and then from Exodus 14, verses 10 through 15. This is the infallible Word of God, friends. I tell you this every week. This is the way when our lives are lived at best, they're lived according to this Word. And when life tends to go off the rail, it tends to be because we've strayed from this Word. We believe that God's Word is light and life and hope. The things that Barbara spoke about a moment ago. Would you please stand as we share God's Word together? Today from Exodus chapter 13, I'll read uh, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although it was nearer. For God thought, if the people face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. And then from chapter 14, beginning with verse 10, as Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to keep still. Let me pause there, friends. That is a great life verse. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to keep still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. <clears throat> It is absolutely hands down one of the greatest accounts in the entire Bible. When you start talking about or thinking about the major, major things in the Bible, this is certainly one of them, the Exodus. That is when God, through the leadership of Moses, led the children of Israel out of Egypt, where they had been in Egypt, and across the desert... And, a, and through the Red Sea and on toward the Promised Land, the Exodus. In fact, to this very day, the Jews believe, the Jewish brothers and sisters believe that this is the pivotal event in all of history for them, the Exodus. They believe that all the rest of the Old Testament looks back at the Exodus the Psalms, the prophets, the laws, they all look back and they say, remember when God led us out of slavery? Don't ever forget God leading us out of slavery and toward the promised land. Remember the faithfulness of the Lord. Now, as important as that is, and it is, 
We as Christians believe that the greatest and most significant event in human history is the crucifixion and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That that is history's most decisive moment. That that is the hinge upon which history swings. And when on the cross, Christ suffered and died for our sins. And then on Easter morning was raised from the dead, conquering death. But even we, even you, even I, even we, looking back at the Exodus, can see, particularly there at the Red Sea, an image, a metaphor of what often happens in life. How we come to a place or a situation where we can't seem to go forward and we can't go back. And we can't go around. We're, we're just stuck. Can't go back, can't go forward, can't go around it. We're just there. So today, I want you to think about your own life for a few minutes. Because I happen to know that there are some people here this morning and there are some who are listening via Facebook who are at just such a place. Or you have recently been at that place. A Red Sea place. You've come to a point where you can't go back to the way things used to be. And you can't go around because ignoring it doesn't mean it's going to go away. And you can't see your way forward. You don't know how, how to get to the next place in your life. So what do you do? And let's be clear about this. The Red Sea can be almost anything. It can have to do with your health or the health of someone you love. It can have to do with your marriage. It can have to do with your job. It can have to do with your child or children. It can have to do with your finances. You are at a point in life where you don't know what to do next. Because there are no easy answers. That is a Red Sea place. Now those kinds of pivotal moments come to every human being. So that if you have not had one, hang on Sloopy, it'll come. If you're not experiencing a Red Sea moment right now, it will happen at some point. So what I'd like us to do today is to look at this experience, to stand back and look at the experience of the Israelites and see what it is that we can do, not if, but when we come to those pivotal moments, what seem to be Red Sea experiences in life. Here's the first thing I want you to hear this morning. You can't go back. The Israelites wanted to go back, didn't they? We need to see that. There is a great lure to go back to the familiar. And did you notice there were some pretty loud voices saying, we need to go back. 
The way ahead is too dangerous. You brought us out here to die, Moses? Is that the plan? And they formed what I call a back-to-Egypt committee. A back-to-Egypt committee whose purpose it was to identify and nurture fears and anxiety. These were the folks who looked at the other people and said, Man, this is bad. This is terrible. I told you this might happen. We just need to come to our senses and go back to Egypt. I'm sure you picked up on that in the passage. And they complained to Moses. They wanted to go back, but they couldn't. And you and I, like normal human beings, have the temptation to want to return to the good old days. We have the temptation to want to return to the old time, the old place, the old routine, because it's familiar. And at least you know that life. There are lots and lots of people, I run into them, you do too, I run into people who will not move forward with life because the fear of the unfamiliar is stronger than the pull to go forward. I said a lot there, didn't I? The fear of the unfamiliar is, and the unknown is stronger than the pull to go forward. As I was preparing this message, <clears throat> I was reminded of a young man that I had been assigned to be a ministry mentor with. I'd gone and, and gotten the training, and the idea was that these young men and women, as they were embarking on the beginning of their ministries, they needed somebody that they could call if they had questions or somebody that they could go and talk to. And so mentors, and they still have mentors today for beginning pastors. And I well recall sitting with this young man one day. He had been assigned to his first appointment, first church, he was telling me about an encounter he had with one of the longtime members of the church. And he said, this elderly man wanted to keep going back to the old days and how back years ago things were so much better, the young pastor said. And then he said, I finally looked at this man and I said, well, if 1972 ever comes back, we'll be ready for it. And assuming it doesn't, we kind of have to move forward with life. Let me ask you a question today. Who are the back to Egypt people in your life? Who are the people who always seem to want to put the brakes on you? Who are the people who when you seem at the edge of an opportunity tell you no, 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 no? Who are the back-to-Egypt people in your life? You've heard me say before that one of my favorite poems is Louisa Fletcher Tarkington's little poem called The Land of Beginning Again. Look it up. It's a great one, The Land of Beginning Again. There's a line in it, or a few lines in it, that say, I wish there were some place called The Land of Beginning Again where all our mistakes and all our heartaches and all our poor selfish grief could be dropped off like a shabby old coat at the door and never put on again. Yes, 
I wish there were some wonderful place called the land of beginning again. You ever wanted to go back to a beginning again place? I wish there was some place where I could go back. I wish there was some way I could go back and right the wrongs I've done because there are many times in life that I've known better than I've done. I wish I could go back and do the things I failed to do, but I can't. Life doesn't have an undo button on it. This past week, I was watching the NFL draft. How great was that? All these future stars getting started in their careers, and it was fascinating to listen to the teams and how they needed this or that or player. And then not long ago, I was watching a program on TV called The Greatest Comebacks of All Time. And on that program, they recalled this account. A number of years ago, during the NFL season, there was a playoff game between the Buffalo Bills and the then-called Houston Oilers. Anybody in here remember when they were called the Houston Oilers? During that game, the Buffalo Bills made the, one of the greatest comebacks in National Football League, League history. At one point in the second half, they were down 38-3. to three. In the second quarter, God bless them. And they came back and they won that game 41 to 38. I was talking to someone recently and we got on this subject and they told me that at halftime of that game, the, Bill, the Bills trailed by three touchdowns at halftime. They had been soundly defeated in the first half, jumping off sides, missing tackles, missing blocking assignments. All the mistakes they could possibly make, they had made. And they knew that in just, they were in the, at halftime, and they knew that in just a matter of a few minutes, the coach was going to come through the door, and he was going to yell and fuss and curse and tell them all the things they had done wrong. So they just sat there, waiting for the coach to come in. But he didn't come. And they waited and waited. Finally, it was almost time for the second half to begin, and still he had not arrived. At the very last moment, the late Marv Levy, who was the coach at Buffalo, walked through the doors of the locker room. He didn't seem angry. Uh, he even had a little bit of a smile on his face, kind of calm. He just stopped and he looked around in the room at all the players and he just looked at them, scanned the room, and then he said this. Well, gentlemen... I think you've got a great second half inside you. Now it's time for that to come out. What if somebody you trusted, in whose opinion you trusted, said that to you this morning? You're thinking about all the mistakes you've made, all the sins you've committed in the past, all the things you wish you wouldn't have done. And you're facing up to the fact that you can't go back and you can't retrieve those experiences. What if somebody came to you and said, you got a great second half inside you. Now it's time for it to come out. I think that would make a difference to a lot of people. That's one of the things the Israelites learned at the Red Sea. You can't go back. 
Here's a second thing they learned. Not only that you can't go back, they learned you can't go around. Anybody who knows anything at all about the Red Sea knows that it was entirely too, um, too massive. They couldn't go around it. Although there is the human temptation to want to try to avoid things. When there's difficulty or hardship or struggle, when there's something coming at us, one of the things we do is we look for ways to avoid it. Thomas Merton, the great Christian writer, said, Alas, in America there is no longer a wilderness. There are only dude ranches. People will do anything to avoid the desert, to avoid the difficulty. Listen very carefully. We'll take any drug. We'll drink any drink. We'll engage in behavior that, well, you know. We'll do whatever it takes to avoid facing the consequences of our own actions. To blur the line between good and evil, right and wrong. From heaven's perspective, friends, the line between good and evil, right and wrong, should and shouldn't, has never changed. Throughout the history of humankind, when God gave us the Ten Commandments, He did not say, I'd suggest you do this. Of all the versions of the Bible out there you can look for, you will not find one that says, God said, I'd suggest this was a good idea to you. No, he said, these are commands, and they haven't changed. And God didn't give us the Ten Commandments to punish us. God didn't give us the Ten Commandments to make life harder. On the contrary, he gave them to us to make life simpler and easier and clearer. You can know what's right, and you can know what's wrong, and if you get outside the boundaries, eventually, eventually, life will have some tough consequences. I know lots of people who say God was just, he just didn't want us to have any fun. I'm here today to tell you a secret, okay? And I want you to hear it. God's desire for your life and my life is not to have fun. God's desire for your life and my life is to keep it between the ditches. Do you understand where I'm coming from? To keep it between the ditches. And yet, people continue. They continue to self-destruct. They continue to self-sabotage. They continue to torpedo their own lives by trying to go around and trying to escape from the consequences of their own behavior. You can't go back. And you can't go around. Which brings me to this. Not only can you not go back and you not go around, God said, go through. Tell the people to move forward. 
Those are God's words to Moses. A long time ago, I came across a little phrase. I don't know where I found it. I don't know who said it. I just know that it's very profound. And it's a truth that has stood me in good stead through some of the most difficult times in my life. It's a simple little phrase, but here it is. The best way out is through. The best way out is through, or as the Bible says, tell them to move forward. Those are God's instructions to the Israelites. The best way out is through. Friends, I have no clue what it is you're facing this morning. I have no idea what might just be on the horizon for you, but I do know this. Listen to this. I know that whatever it is, you can get better or you can get bitter. Because the reality is that in a crowd this size and all the people who are listening, the reality is when life lands a haymaker on you, you've got a choice. You can get better or you can get bitter. You can dig in or you can check out. You have a choice. It's not a matter, you see, it's not a matter of are these things going to come. Let me ask you, what is it for you? What's the big, massive thing in your life? And dear God, you wish you could just avoid it. You wish it would go away. You wish you could go back. It's interesting, when you look at the event of the children of Israel crossing the Jordan, it's easy to look at that and say, yep, that happened, great story, let's move on. But here's what you forget. The people were never the same again after they witnessed God's faithfulness. Can I just ask you personally, has God ever been faithful to you? Don't give me that look. Has God ever been better to you than you deserve? Has God been more faithful to you than you have to Him? You see, most of the time when we're going through difficulty, we can't see God's hand. I hope you got that. And because we can't see God's hand, we often want to quit because it hurts like heck. It hurts so much. And we just want to check out. You've heard me say before, never write your evaluation of any life event in ink on the day it happens to you. That's a good thing to marinate in your noggin. 
Never write your evaluation of any life event in ink on the day it happens to you. And the reason for that is because until we have some distance, until some time has passed from an event, then we can see how God was present. Then we can see how God was there and we didn't even know it. Never write your evaluation of a life event in ink on the day it happens to you because here's what happens. Most of the time, after some time passes, you look back and you say, it was a blessing in disguise and I didn't even know it. You ever been there? You can't go back. The lure of the familiar causes us to forget the quagmire of the pain sometimes. You can't go around pretending is not, it's not bad or, or hurtful, doesn't make it go away. There are people in your life, and it may even be you, where your, your, your uh, default is to hide your head in the sand. You can't go back, you can't go around. No part of life gets better with your head in the sand. And God still says, go forward. Go forward and trust me. I hope you're hearing this today. God says to you, go forward and trust me. Now listen very carefully, I'm almost done. Almost never does God reveal how he's going to work ahead of time. Did you know that? I don't know how it is with you, but I sure would like God to tell me what his plan is. <laughs> It'd be great if you'd say, if I could say, how are you going to get me out of this? No, here's the way it works. God says... Go forward. And I take a step. And I realize there's solid ground there. And I take another step. And I realize there's solid ground there. But if you do not, God almost never will. It starts with you. You can't go back. You can't go around. But friends, I'm here today to testify to you that God is trustworthy. God is trustworthy. Do you believe that? Has God been trustworthy in your life? Have there been times when you said, God, I don't know how you're going to do this. And then you look back and see, oh, my Lord. God, you are faithful. Around uh, Thanksgiving time, we love to sing that old hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. You remember that one? I'm here today to tell you God is faithful. And whatever the Red Sea event is, you can trust Him with it. So as we close our time in prayer this morning, as we come to the altar, I'm going to ask you, 
to simply whatever it is. I want to I invite you to simply bring that and place it at the altar. I want to invite you to have the courage to say, God, this is bigger than I am. This is so much bigger than I am. And I don't, I don't have a clue how it's going to go. But I know my life is dotted with places along the way where you have been faithful to me. God, you are faithful. And I just want you to know, Lord, I am going to lean into your faithfulness. I don't know what it is for you, but I do know this. God never intended you to carry it alone. I would suggest the best place to put it is in his hands. Because you'll find out he is faithful. He is faithful. So we're going to open our altar and I invite you to come and pray and stay as long as you like. God bless you today.